Hey, I'm back. Um, I just had a little conversation with a friend and it sparked me to uh, jump on really quick and just share something about um, like reconciliation or resurrection um, and how that plays out so um, beautifully and wonderfully sometimes <laughs> in my life if I am. Um, give God the space to uh, work through me and um, I was talking to a friend about parenting and how hard it is and how uh, I think someone said um, their parent wasn't really mentally stable to um, raise children but they tried their best and that had me thinking like who's mentally stable enough to raise children I don't know that I've ever met anyone (laughs) Um, qualified for the position we just try to raise children a little bit less broken than we were right and inevitably they'll be broken in some kind of way Um, but that's just the human experience at the same time and it's not an excuse at all for abuse or um, neglect that's not what I'm trying to say here Um, more like who is qualified, you know, it's, it's an impossible job, um, that we hopefully try our best to do all the time, and anyways, it had me thinking about parenting, and, um, how do you parent while also mending or trying to be with your parents when you have work to do in that department, um, and how, It used to be so hard, and it still can be for me, but, um, just how different, um, I viewed my own parents, I would say, just six months ago, um, yeah, how I could hold on to grudges and say, look at how unloved I was my whole life, or (laughs) I can say, um, step back and look through the lens my parents were looking through and how hard that must have been and how scary that must have been because they were two teenagers um not knowing what the hell was going on and specifically my mom she didn't really know much about her own body or you know let alone a man's body um and it's just unforgiving when no one is here to to say, oh, let me teach you, (laughs) let me teach you how this all works, like, I, I think it went from, oh my god, my teenage daughter is pregnant, to, well, you better have this baby, um, you know, I don't think there was any, like, stopping, reflecting, and saying, what a miracle this is, how do you feel, what are your feelings, how can I better help navigate you, right? I'm not sure that my mom ever got that, um, or my dad, you know, let alone a man. Um, I even think my grandmother, my dad's mother, said that I wasn't my dad's, um, but that's just her own baggage, right? And, um, anyway, what I'm trying to say here is that there is all of this hurt and all of this like childhood trauma um generational right and how like 
uh, seems like our generation is pretty um, bent on breaking these curses, um, generational curses, generational traumas, and how beautiful that is, but how um, we also need to understand, like, we are perpetuating a different kind. We just don't know it yet until our kids are old enough to, to see it and say it. Um, and even, like, I forget that man's name, but he talks about trauma, and trauma could be something as simple as, like, your parents forgot you at school one day, and that's, like, the only trauma you ever endured. What he's trying to say is, like, we don't we don't go through the world in skates. We don't go through the world without some sort of trauma. Um, and anyways, uh, all that to say was we're trying our best but I think we're the next we're the generation that like is actively trying to see it and hone in on it and stop it before it starts um which is great and I love that and also I think part of that work is to instead of and I don't think a lot of people are I think this was my own stuff um trying to let go of the anger and resentment and the hurt because it's so easy to stay in that it's so easy to be um self-righteous and oh well they hurt me so you know they don't get access to my kids or they and I'm not saying that you should give access to people who are dangerous I don't mean that at all what I what I mean is like um um you know like oh I'm um upset with them still about whatever right about like not being um the mother I needed in you know certain situation um like for dating for instance it's just an example it's not my personal example but just an example and you know my parents were never or whatever my mother was never helpful when it came to dating right so now I'm just going to be mad at her about it and whatever like I don't know it's a very awful example but what I'm trying to say is um we hold these you know grudges that are or or these um we hold our parents um I don't want to say standards but maybe to these standards that they'll never achieve because ultimately they have to be the ones to be self-reflective um you can show them them you can put them in the mirror and tell them all their flaws but until they're willing to actually do that themselves or or bring you to the mirror and say hey what's wrong like I'm, I want to work on this what's wrong until they're willing to do the work too like there's no you just have to love them where they're at and that's so hard and I'm not I'm not telling people who are like awfully abused by their parents to like go talk to them right now you know that I'm just saying this from what sparked with a friend and my conversation was how I my own personal relationship was um with my with my parents was a lot of like um validating my child self and specifically my teenager and and just validating all of the anger and the hurt and the resentment for my that my parents gave me um, and I feel like I was barely, barely there with my teenager just getting over this, like, I would say six months ago, if that. Um, 
like just really validating her feelings and her emotions so that I can let them go and be in the present moment with my parents um and really giving myself permission to forgive them um no matter what like no matter what even if they were like I definitely had boundaries though that I was not gonna let cross um you know lines that would not be crossed with my own children and myself um and I did, I stood up for myself in a situation and it was really beautiful the way it played out because at first I was terrified, but the way it played out was like actually really beautiful and I was respected, but my boundary was literally, it was literally the boundary, like this person didn't step over the edge, but they were right there at the boundary, you know, but they respected it, which is really big for them. They never would have done that before. They would have come in kicking and screaming and telling me what a horrible human I was and that didn't happen. And actually, when I did invite this um, parent, this estranged parent, back into my life and in my house, um, when I first saw them, I just had this, like, insane compassion for them. um, Because, like, this time I felt it with my, my whole heart that, like... And they were a teenager... Um, pushed into this life of raising three girls, one who was not their own, um, and a spouse who was either at work or checked out and probably drunk um, at home or elsewhere. And this person had to raise three girls alone, basically, and it was hard. And some awful stuff went down because of that. Um... And even to this day, I think that relationship with those two people is hard. And it just really made me have so much compassion. And it's not a... It's not a pass for the awful things that occurred. But it's just a, a realizing that this person was never given the tools to, um raise children because first of all they weren't raised well um and second of all they were doing it on their own very early um and it just gave me a lot of uh, compassion when I saw through my adult eyes not my teenager not my five-year-old not my any of my children inside of me but me as a mother of also three and how hard it is to be alone often with them Um, it just gave me this real insight in how I didn't have a willing partner because my partner's so willing to help in, help out and pitch in no matter how tired they are, um, which I'm very thankful for, but I know she didn't have that and yeah, just how hard that must have been and, um, how hard she tried to I felt at the time it was like this um propaganda of like families all that matters blah 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 um but I see now that it came from a really sweet place and um I think I mistook I mistaked it for something else or mistook <laughs> mistook it for something else that I see very differently now and uh yeah it's just wild and I mean even with my own mom in particular, I see, you know, I have a lot of, um, 
compassion for that too and how hard I mean how hard parent parenting and also dealing with your own parents and that relationship is uh yeah it's hard and I mean I was talking to a friend the other day her mother-in-law um has a bunch of physical ailments and um she can do some pretty easy things to to help herself but she chooses not to this mother-in-law chooses not to like eating a little bit better or um walking every day and the mom this mother-in-law chooses not to but chooses to instead say oh i'm feeling so awful today blah 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 and he told my friend you know we can you can lead a horse to water but you can't make them drink like all we can do is tell somebody hey did you walk today hey did you maybe not have like five coca-colas today (laughs) um did you cut down a little bit like that's all we can do and then we have to find out how to love them even when they don't choose what's best for them right and I feel like I'm a mother of young children and I feel like this is a really good lesson for us to learn as like parents of young children to like figure out how to love our our teenagers that we will eventually have like as our our children our actual children who turn into teenagers and make these decisions right like again we can lead them to water but we can't make them drink um like for instance I know one of my children if not all of them cannot wait to um drink Sprite whenever they want and as a young child I'm like yeah that makes sense but I hope that this child doesn't grow up drinking Sprite all the time like as a teenager as a young adult but that's ultimately their choice right and I have to love them from where they're at and I and I can't like I don't have any say over that and um that's just a little silly example I mean it can be worse right it could be drugs it could be all kinds of crazy stuff but um I just feel like it's such a, an example, right, of how we have to love exactly where they are, like, and and figure out within a boundary, a good boundary, um, how to love them, and yeah, um, going back to the whole reconciliation thing, I just think, or, or resurrection, really, um, for me, they went hand in hand because I did not, I was estranged from... <laughs> Um, my parents, I was, it was my, um, father and his wife, I was estranged from them for a while, and, um, I needed to do my own healing work around them, I needed to talk to my dad, and I was terrified of that conversation, and I barely did it this past year, 2021, but I hadn't talked to him for, like, almost eight years, because I was terrified of the outcome, and when I finally did talk to him, it was so... Um, it was so um, exactly what I needed like I didn't realize that we were on the same page because it didn't seem like it we're just very different people so when we had this conversation it was pretty healing um, you know and very heartfelt obviously like and just we were just miscommunicating and misunderstanding each other because we do not think alike at all, and, um, yeah, so, that, and then that relationship with his wife then really, like, melted away any of, like, this hate, not hatred, but, like, this hardening of my heart toward her, 
um, really like kind of melted away because my dad, you know, told me exactly like her love language, what it is and how she can be harsh, but that's just her showing love. And that made a lot of sense to me. And I don't think it would make a lot of sense to many people, but it makes sense when you know somebody so like intimately, but you don't know why they do the things they do until like you see all these puzzle pieces in going in together and you're like oh that's what that is um so it really showed like this other side I never knew that she had and really gave me a heart for her and um yeah to me that is a miracle (laughs) the fact that I can talk to my dad whenever or his wife whenever or um be able to even think about Um, having them in my home again is like I would have like you could even when my I told my husband that him and his wife were coming over the next day he's like are you okay with that because it was like so weird to him and um, (laughs) it was really sweet my my son um, asked too he's like what it's it's sad that she's not coming in the house the first day my dad came he didn't let he she stayed in the car and he came in because I said I didn't want her around us um until I I well first I just said that and I needed to have a conversation with my dad before anything and we did have that conversation and it was very healing and very helpful so healing that I I was fine with her coming in and then that again was healing because of just everything that my dad talked about and um It just really is a miracle how all this came together and it's beautiful the way my son sees it in his young little mind and um, just how really, not even smart, but just how empathetic and um, intuitive he is and I just can't wait to harness that for him but it really is this beautiful like resurrection um, of something that I thought was so dead and so beyond repair. And all I had to do was really pray and let go and let God, if I can use that AA term. Um, But it's really interesting because I knew my dad was coming that weekend someday and I really wanted to leave my house. I didn't even want to entertain seeing him. I wanted to escape and run because that is... um, what I did for most of my life I couldn't physically run so I escaped in my mind and now that I was an adult I did not I just wanted to leave my house but there was nowhere to go for a lot of weird reasons there was nowhere to go and um, I kind of had to face that head-on and there's this (laughs) there's this NACO NACO and medicine for the people there's this quote where he says um the perfect timing is at like not the right time I'm very I'm botching that quote but it's a really good one and every time he says that I think about the awful timing my dad came to my house (laughs) um and I actually blew my mind when I was sitting there talking to both of them at my table I like got really anxious for a second my whole body was like no but then I had to literally retrain my like brain for a second my nervous system and I'm like wait it's safe now 
and um yeah it's just really beautiful and I think about how it's safe now and um there's still some boundaries that I you know have but um knowing that it's safe is pretty pretty miraculous um that you can heal from childhood wounds and then reconcile and love uh, that isn't that <laughs> isn't that the message of Yeshua isn't that what he tried to teach us while he was here <laughs> isn't that the message of the cross like I'm gonna love you right where you're at <laughs> like he it, it means somewhere in the bible I think it obviously it's in the gospels but it says he loved us and died for us while we were still sinners, right? Like, while we were still um, abusive and addicted and um, in the middle of all our bullshit, he died for us. And um, just the love like that is pretty intense. <laughs> Probably the most beautiful, intense thing ever. And... My relationship with my dad and his wife would have never been reconciled without him. Um, because every time I wanted to scream or or freak out on my dad and, you know, say all the things I've never said before, I didn't. Because something was like, that's not love. You've got to hold it back. Like, that isn't love. And I did. And it wasn't love to uh, say nothing either. But it's what it's the boundary I had to put up in order to heal. And I'm just so sad that I waited so long to have that conversation because I totally could have done it earlier. I just chose not to because I was scared because the outcome was that he would choose his wife over me and I wouldn't have a dad. And it was better that the choice was mine before he decided to choose not me. Um which is basically how I felt with my mom for a long time that she chose the men in her life over me um and I just couldn't take that from my dad so I decided to make it happen like I just chose to exit out um and it's funny because I told him that and uh, you know he said no like you're you know I'm on your side like I would never do that and I and I know that night when we talked he was worried and he thought he would have to leave his wife for whatever he didn't know why I was so upset with his wife um and he's like you know if you hurt my daughter like I'll leave you and I I said no like I I'm not here to ruin a marriage I'm not here to I don't want you guys to break up I just want you to hear my side my side of the story the little girl that could never talk um and, you know, I said some things that he probably didn't remember or didn't want to remember um, because they were pretty awful. And he just cried and said he was sorry and held me and um, told me how important I was to him. And I think that's all my little my little girl heart needed. Um, yeah, so basically <laughs> what I'm trying to say is there's no good time 
and to heal these parental wounds or relationships. Um, but when we can stop and 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 like feel it to heal it um, and go through all those things on our own, like in our own hearts, on our own journals, with you know, with God, with ourselves and maybe with close friends that we trust and then going to our parents and then you know praying about it and then being with them like there can be this really beautiful um resurrection or even just a transformation of a relationship and i think the, one of the keys is going in there with no expectation because i didn't have one everything to me was an absolute surprise um And I don't think I even thought about it. I was just pushed into all of this reluctantly, like had to face it. So I had no time to worry or think because everything was moving so fast. Um, And I think that was like the beauty of it was that there was no time to think. It was just like riding this ride. And, um, you know, you deal with the things as they come and... I'm not saying it was perfect, but what we did, what how we worked it out was, you know, mutually beneficial and um, helpful and healing. And I'm just so thankful that I gave this to God and let him lead me because there's no way I would have ever done this on my own. Um, no way. Uh, I, I know better. I <laughs> I know better than to let any of what happened happen, um, and I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad I let go and trust him because I still, when I think about it, I'm so thankful. Like after that first night, I just felt so free of so much fear, of so much hurt, of so much um, um, like why does my dad not care about me stuff like the stuff going on in my head which wasn't even true he actually was asking the same question about me why does my daughter not love me and never call me um which is exactly what I was thinking about him so yeah I think that's another thing though when when teenagers have children is they never got to really grow up so and I guess not even just teenagers I think as parents we're always growing up alongside our children and I think that's that's something really interesting about being a parent is we're growing up with our kids um and yeah so that's my talk and I'm gonna leave you probably with that Nako song and I'll try to find the exact spot he says the quote so I don't I don't botch it So thanks for listening to me for almost 30 minutes about that. It was supposed to be a quick 10-minute talk. Um, If you stayed for the whole thing, awesome. And uh, I hope you have a good day or night. Shalom. Hey, friends. Do you ever get that feeling where you have a change of perspective and everything just feels new and looks new or maybe not new but different 
and more hopeful. That's what I'm feeling now. The day didn't start off so hopeful. But I talked to a friend who's in a similar situation. And they just reminded me of love. And how love just... When you do things out of love and you see people out of love, you see them for who they are and not who they think they are or who they tell themselves they are. You see them at their essence. Um, And the essence of everyone is actually beautiful. It's all the other stuff that got piled on top. Which is what I'm in the process of, and I guess technically this will be my second podcast, talking about that uncovering of who I am, um, learning, or at least remembering um, who I was before the world and people and society and myself um, labeled me as other than the true essence of who I am but back to this new perspective feeling it reminds me of a quote by Walter Wink and in his book called uh, The Powers That Be he says I, I actually remember this daily because I try to realign my thought process when I'm in a, a more um, melancholy way of thinking but he says uh, the world is to an extent how we perceive it and I try to remember that if I see the world as dark and ugly and scary um, I go out into the worlds being that I would say um, not on purpose but just how I interact with other people Um, whereas if I have a shift of thinking it tends to be a little bit more lighthearted and seeing the the better side of humanity but today I've come to realize a few things through friends through uh, listening to a book called theology of the womb it's very good I highly recommend it to anybody (laughs) and um Just learning how to see yourself and why the creator made women's body so unique and how it calls us into so many things. But one thing for me personally is um, how I'm I'm a healer and through God I am also a life giver, literally through creating humans. Um... But she also, she said something in this book that just kind of, I don't know, gently called me to, to realize that I am, I was bestowed a power from, you know, from the divine and it, that's what it is. It's a, it's a healer. It's a, a helping of like a midwife, if you will, of um, bringing forth new life. Um, 
spiritually or emotionally um i'm i'm really good at doing this with friends and family and it's really hard for me to admit i'm good at that like i don't think i've ever said out loud (laughs) especially on a podcast i never thought i'd say i was good at something but i really am i would say i'm good at it in a mother perspective but never with anyone else but i actually i don't know how many times i've heard that like that thank you because there was a breakthrough or a a birth there in whatever someone was going through um and uh, a few of the things she says uh in this book theology of the womb is uh this is in chapter three if anyone has the book or wants to find it and it's she says that a, a life song dwells inside of every womb humans were stolen through trauma and abuse but we have the power to give life and freedom through the life song um and I just I don't know I just kind of sat with that like that's exactly how it feels I feel like my child self was stolen through that like I don't it's very hard to find her um she's scared she doesn't trust adults <laughs> and I get it um I've I've talked with her a few times but I think I've just pushed her off to the side so much that she doesn't want to be here uh right now but anyways <laughs> was just really telling for me but also that there is life and freedom in the life song I just have to find that for me personally to guide her back um, into trusting which is a big thing I've been dealing with in my own personal relationship that I'm struggling with now and I'm trying to see that person as also stolen through trauma and abuse and how to call that person back to life and freedom even if they might not trust me either and learning how to mend trust when there was so much hurt and possibly trauma that I've caused Um, I mean mutual mutual trauma there I'd say And then she goes on to say that there's something holy about God breathing life, specifically into dried bones. And uh, she says women are more involved in the rebirthing process by understanding the story Hashem or God put inside of them. So that really struck me because I've heard, I keep hearing, you know, dried bones, there was life to dried bones, but I don't remember that story. Um, it wasn't big in my, uh, in my church growing up. Um, I don't know that any of them were, but especially that one. And when she had said that, um, about dried bones, about there's something holy specifically about the breath of life 
into dried bones, it, it perked my attention because the breath in anywhere in the Torah refers to, or um, beyond that, so the Old Testament um, refers to the breath as uh, as wisdom and then as feminine also. And then into dried bones, it, it made me want to go read where that came from in our um, in in the Bible and um, it prompted me to read it, it's Ezekiel 37 but it prompted me to read all about dried bones and um, anyways I'm getting ahead of myself I'll talk about that story in a minute but back to what she says about women are more involved in the birthing process because we literally do give birth um, but also we I think we tend to be more of menders um, more of the wisdom keepers, not always, I mean men have this, but we tend to um, at least in our immediate family it's the grandmas we go to, it's the the moms um, at least from my perspective and in my culture but it reminded it it um not reminded me but it made me think of how yes we are life givers in the physical but we are life givers and we do breathe new life into each other um into old furniture that we restore into um an old piece of clothing that we can like recreate as something else um it just reminds me of like the the creativity that we have and not just as women but as as humans um because men can do these things too and i just love that this kind of like giving or breathing in life isn't unique to a woman but to humankind and um reading what she said just woke me up <clears throat> woke me up to the realization um about my last podcast and how birth is so similar um to how the births of like emotion or spiritual are, are so related to physical labor um and the physical patterns that can that can come with that um, that play out in the emotional and spiritual, and um, I don't know, just interesting how she said how women are are these again conduits of birth, and how in this particular relationship that's um, been rather challenging for me. Um, I think I've been trying to leave since the first few weeks I was in it um and it's been 10 years now and every time I've tried to leave every time I've tried to pray and say all right I'm done I keep getting this very stark message system from outside of space-time I can't describe it there's a lot of a lot of messages I've gotten um through friends who don't even know anything it's just what they said or 
a picture or just something that happens um and it keeps telling me to stay like this is I need to stay in this um in this relationship and to not give up on it um and to literally bring life to these old dead dried bones um and that's what prompted me then to go read Ezekiel 37 and in that story it is um God asks um the prophet Ezekiel he says that um well he says that Ezekiel says he was in the spirit and it led him to see old dried up dead bones and the Lord asked him if these bones can live and it's funny his reply is only you sovereign one know only you know and when I read his reply it kind of floored me because my reply is no way and um, it floored me because when I see my relationship as old dead dry bones um, and I look at that relationship I say there's no way there's life in this um, which is why I keep trying to leave but um, I think God's calling me to to prophesy over these bones just like Ezekiel and um, it just really hit me only you oh sovereign one know like only you know and I know that it's a yes <laughs> if I'm willing to listen and be led by the spirit and prophesy <sighs> and um, what's interesting about this um, the way he prophesied was there was like an interesting series of events that followed so Ezekiel um, prophesied over these bones and it was in small um, like steps that these bones came back and first he heard a weird loud noise and bones started to come together one by one and then the tendons and the muscles started to come back to life onto these bones and then the skin covered them and so they looked like humans but there was no breath of life in them so that required another prophecy um which was interesting to me right so we have this physical form now from dried bones but there's still no like breath of life um and it required a special prayer and or a prophecy I guess that's another word for prayer I don't know <laughs> um but it was for the breath of life again the breath being feminine just kind of perked my attention and um the sovereign one says come breath from these four winds breathe into the slain that they may live and they stood 
and they finally stood up, like, alive. And yes, there's much more to this story, and it has way more to do with God's plan for Israel than it does with my relationship, but it also speaks to me deeply. And what's more telling is, after I read that, there's, in the same chapter, there's another story about Israel, and basically for me it's um telling because the next the next thing is these two he asks um Ezekiel to get these two sticks and in these two sticks um they end up becoming one and in this relationship like that's what needs to happen like me and this person need to become one and um it was just very interesting because, yeah, I could write it off as a coincidence that that was in the same chapter, but um, coincidence is not a kosher word, and I just, again, was floored by it, um, and how there's just this, there's just been this, this small, gentle um, voice saying, stay, stay. Um, and it's calling me to be a, a better version or whatever of me and I'm tired and some days I don't want to because it feels so good to be petty and self-righteous um, but that's not what I want to be because in the end it serves no one <laughs> and it makes me feel like garbage after um kind of like an addiction just not a physical one so I'm trying to kill all addictions and these are the more subtle challenging ones for me um but yeah it's just I guess what I what I want to end with is how this keeps um still small voice keeps saying just show up like keep showing up and um it's just like this small little call to action to change um not even to change but to transform back into who I was before um the world told me I was someone else and um I keep like praying about like how inactive I am and how I used to be an activist and then I had kids and I can't be active anymore blah 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 but I keep reminding myself that activism actually starts in me it starts in my heart and I can't possibly be an activist until there's a deep true change within my own heart and then within my own home because uh, I can't say that I want to heal the world when my own heart is just shattered and I don't help those who are closest to me to make their wounds whole how can I say I want a whole world when those people and myself aren't whole and it just reminds me of the phrase I grew up with which I believe is biblical but it's faith without works is dead um and I think it applies to love too. Love without action is not love. Um, but yeah. Uh, so just 
I hope you can keep showing up for your little piece of the world and together we can all make it whole but I'll leave you with that thought good night